Community Matters Saturdays, WBCK, 8 a.m., following the news at 8 at least, and anytime, battlecreekpodcast.com. Yep, you can go there anytime, and episodes are there waiting for you. So if you'd like to tell a friend about an episode, that'd be where you'd find it and where you could share it with them, all made possible by Lakeview Ford Lincoln. Richard Pyatt here, joined now by Peter Bogle, who's the chief executive at the South Michigan Food Bank. Hello, Peter. Hello, Richard. Thanks for having me on this morning. Well, welcome back. Uh, we talked, oh, about a year ago or so, and um, uh, we'll get to a status update on things since then. But for now, we're sort of focused on uh, what uh, we're calling, you're calling, the coldest night of the year. Now, there's been some warm weather. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that'll that'll make people uh, imagine being colder but at any rate uh, you're planning an event in the evening coming up very soon what's this about the coldest night of the year is an event that's been going on started up in canada a lot of agencies have been involved i actually think in the united states now uh, i think there'll be 40 cities that are having on the same time frame being engaged with this coldest night of the year fundraiser so wow. This is our first year trying to participate in it, but it sort of seems like it might be fun. Um, it's on February 24th, um, and we're really doing it um, at 5 o'clock. Registration, if you want to come early, is at 4 o'clock. We're doing it at our food bank, which is at 5451 Wayne Road here in the Custer Industrial Park here in Battle Creek. Um, and, and we've got a couple of routes. One is, uh, it's just a walk. It's nothing too crazy. Bring your friends <laughs> out, have fun. The Toyota dealership, Sunshine Toyota, Sunshine. Yeah. has got a, a vehicle that they're going to drive and lead the efforts. And um, a pace car. Some, yeah, we got a pace car for a walk, right? We're going to have some food there for people at the end, some chili and things like that to get people warm when it's over. Um, hopefully it's really not super cold, but you know, it'll be what it's going to be here on the 24th should be a fun event. It's just a fundraiser. We've set a goal of $20,000 to raise and we're sort of hoping that's probably realistic, but it could be kind of a fun night for people that want to support the food bank to get together and engage in a, in just in a walk and chat with your friends and, um, and really help us with our mission, which is to try to end hunger and alleviate food insecurity in this area. And we could use all the help we can get because as I think people do realize, demand has been really high for this food bank, probably all food banks, but our food bank specifically, um, we cover eight counties and it's just been really busy for us. And acquiring the resources to get enough food to people has been the biggest challenge we've had. So this should be a, a financial shot in the arm a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a challenge to be able to have the resources to to be able to really meet demand. You are calling it, and it is called, tempted cold to say, national day. event. You said it started in Canada, a good place for a cold weather event to start. <laughs> right, right, right. But uh, right. yeah, coldest night of the year. I did hear Keith Thompson and uh, and Mark Torgrosa saying a little bit about a colder, later part of February. So you may be able to get into that spirit a little bit more. <laughs> That'd be helpful, as long as it's yeah. not too cold. <laughs> right. So, yeah, how has it been? I remember when we talked about a year ago, you painted the picture, right? The uh, the significant demand with your uh, tremendously upbeat spirit talked still about the challenge that you face daily with this mission. I presume that's still the same. Yeah, that's the same. I would like to start by sort of saying we have a team here that are really, really pleased and happy and feel really good about all of the hard work we're putting in. It's a lot of manpower and a lot of effort 
but we feel like we're doing the absolutely the best that we can to serve this community, but it's been busy. So here's, here's my quick story. I think this is either our 42nd or 43rd year, depending on how you kind of count it. So we've been around a while. Prior to COVID, and we cover eight counties, right? Kalamazoo County, basically down to the Indiana border, over to Linaway County, up to Barry County and over. So we've got a kind of in the middle, along the Indiana border, the middle of the state, the southern part of the state. We cover eight counties. The record in terms of pounds that we have given away to people prior to COVID, so the first, what, 38 years or so, the record we'd had was a was about 11 million pounds of food. And prior to COVID, we were distributing seven to seven and a half million pounds of food in an average year. Um, but that record at about just a hair over 11 million pounds, we have now actually surpassed that record for the fourth consecutive year. Oh. The old, the high record. So the, our new record now is about 14 and a half million pounds of food that we did the first year in COVID. Be, you, you know all the drama and all of the focus and attention that came to food banks. We got a lot of resources. We had a lot of demand. We had a lot of people that needed help. Um, I got a half a million dollar gift from Jeff Bezos that we'll never <laughs> see again yet. Like things materialized um, that really helped us out and, and let that let us really be able to step up and make a difference. The last couple of years were a challenge. Uh, in 22, I will say we put a pretty good budget together and we have a pretty healthy part of our budget to acquire food. We partner with a lot of Michigan farmers. We buy a lot of their products. We buy a lot of their seconds. You know, the the tomatoes that might be just slightly misshapen that Myers doesn't want to put on their shelves, uh, but it's perfectly healthy and it's wonderful for us to be able to get. We can make a great deal with farmers that wouldn't be able to sell it to anybody else, but we get a great deal off of them. So it's kind of a win-win, right? But we've really been in a scenario where in 22, demand jumped really high and the food resources, the food supply chain was disrupted. I had to go to my board and say, I want to take a million dollars out of our reserves and add that to our food supply budget. I want to intentionally lose a million dollars this year because we need it to be able to get as close as we can to meeting demand from all the people that need food. Uh, So in 2020, we lost a million dollars, but it was a smart move and it was the right thing to do for the community. And my board last year said, move as much food as you can, but let's see if we can kind of break even (laughs) or at least (laughs) don't lose too much money this year, right? Because we just can't lose a million dollars every year. We can only do that for a couple of years and then we're, you know, then we're toast. That reserve fund is uh, is an expenditure you don't take lightly. I'm sure it took a lot of thinking on your part before you even brought it up. Yeah, well, yeah, it did. But you know, at the end of the day, I will just say our board is wonderful. They didn't balk. It was really not a hard conversation at all. Um, I just had to explain that, you know, this isn't an ongoing thing. We we won't lose a million dollars every year. But part of my part of my challenge, honestly, Richard, and this isn't really fault of anybody, but we get 39 to 40% of the food that we get every year through federal programs. And in, in 22, the, the food supply chain was so disrupted that we ended up having 53 loads of food, truckloads of food scheduled from the feds that never materialized. Oh my. We, we had some loads that came late, but we had 53 loads that never materialized. And we couldn't just live with without that additional food. We were going to have to scale way back. So therein came the the request from me to my board to say, let's take a million dollars of our reserves and buy more food. 
like I said, the board didn't really even balk. They were really on board with that. It was really a pretty and easy request. And it was the right thing to do. And it's, I think, how our food bank thinks. Here's a community need. It's our role to step up. And so we did. This last year was a little bit better. We just barely broke even, (laughs) which was kind of the goal. I didn't really lose money this year. Didn't really make any, but didn't lose any. We moved as much food as we possibly could. It's been a really challenging year. Again, one more reason why things like the coldest night of the year event are really valuable to us and really make a big difference because it allows us to have more resources to be able to buy those Michigan seconds that that are grown, help the farmers, help help people that are in, you know, that are struggling with food security right now. And of course, when you take the million out of the reserves, then you you sort of have in the back of your mind that you'd like to put that back. <laughs> A little bit at a time eventually, right? <laughs> right but now's right. not really the time to do it. I I mean, my budget for this next year for 24 is um, a break-even budget again, and it is to move food. But but I also say this, there's some really great things that have happened in the world. So um, nobody is really familiar with mass. There's a, a place in the budget for what Michigan agriculture, I don't even remember what it stands for anymore, <laughs> I should, but it's in the state budget. And it's really designed to be able to partner with Michigan farmers to help them sell product and then give it to the food banks to give away. Hmm. And historically, uh, in the budget, was that was $2 million. In Ohio, they have a same budget line that's $45 million for that. Oh, my. Right? Wow. Which is a huge difference. Um, we were able to, in conjunction with the governor and her team, we were able to move the $2 million up to $12 million this year. Okay. So for our food bank, that's a huge huge bump in how much good Michigan produce that we're going to be able to acquire without having to go into our cash reserves to be able to get it. And there's some other programs out there too. There's one other short-term federal program, probably this year and next year, that will help us have some resources to get food too. So we're excited about that. We've got a lot of really kind of cool, fun programs we're running too. But I'll say this too, here's you're the first one to hear this one. So Meridian Health has wanted to start up a pilot project um, in Michigan. And what they really, really want to do is they want to try to figure out people that are in the rural areas that are food insecure, that maybe have transportation challenges that can't get to the distribution sites. How do we get food to them? which is a challenge that honestly, Richard has been on my plate for a couple of years trying to figure out how to do it. I think you brought it up a year ago. I think I did, right? I've been playing with it for a while. We have a partnership with DoorDash that's delivering for us to some degree. And that's helpful, but that's not really the long-term solution to that problem. Yeah. Um, But Meridian just gave gave us a million-dollar grant for three years to be able to really figure out how to get food to people that are, that they're really challenging to get food to. And it's not really that cost effective, right? Like how, how do we make that happen? So uh, we're going to get a mobile market on wheels that we can take into different locations and drive it in different places. And I'm really excited about how that project's going to go with Meridian Health wanting to replicate that statewide, but we're the pilot food bank that's taking this on to work through the nuts and bolts and get the logistics all figured out and how to make it the most efficient it can be before we roll it out to the whole state. Well, first so, of all, I, I love it in the middle of an interview when someone says, you're the first one to hear this. <laughs> uh, so that's great. And well, then you might you're be the, the second. I did tell my board, but okay, I'm well, my yes. board, right? <laughs> uh, publicly at least, but you're the first one to make it happen, which is even more exciting. 
Yeah, I mean, we've got some great partners. There's some there's some wonderful things going on, and we have the greatest group of volunteers. We could not do what we accomplish without without all the volunteer help we have. Yeah, we certainly encourage folks to be part of the coldest night of the year, which, uh, as you heard, will be coming up on February 24th at uh, the food bank location 5451 Wayne Road. And if you want to be a part of this, this is a terrific way to help uh, really with these kinds of efforts. And I imagine, Peter, you probably sit back and think about these kinds of things that you could be doing that would bring in some extra cash. Yeah, we've got a lot of projects. On a development side, we're trying to get pretty creative. So we've started up a legacy program this year that's getting some nice traction. Bob Randalls was the initial uh, executive director of this food bank. He started it out of a little garage. He ran it for, I don't know, 32, 33 years, something like that. Hmm. And so we have really named our legacy program after Bob Randalls, um, you know, who unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago. Wonderful guy, really enjoyed him. And so, yeah, I think there's some real potential in that. And we're just looking for creative ways to reach out to people to best tell our story because... You know, to be really fair, there are a lot of people in Michigan that unfortunately are food insecure. There are also an awful lot of really great neighbors that want to be able to help out. So I think we're a wonderful place to come in and volunteer or donate to us or support however you can, uh, knowing that that really goes back to the community and very, very, very little of it is admin. I mean, we move a lot of food and I don't have very many staff. I have a lot of volunteers. (laughs) Yeah, that's a big help. It makes all the difference in the world for us. I remember when we talked last time, you talked about space and the idea that maybe you'd like to expand that someday. Of course, that would be a capital campaign to do that. Uh, you still thinking about that? Yeah, we're starting to move forward on that one, Richard. Thank you um, for that question. That's exactly right. You know, I've been here just at five years now. And when I first came here, my staff were telling me that we're pretty much at capacity. We're moving about seven and a half million pounds of food. And they said, we can't move more without more warehouse space and without more employees. Well, with the same number of employees and the same warehouse space, uh, we're moving almost double that much food right now every year. And so, yes, we're stretched at the seams. I have multiple offices that have more than one person in them. I have one office that has four people in it. I don't have enough volunteer room. Cooler space. We've got two big freezers and two pretty big refrigerators, basically. That's just not enough Mm -hmm. uh, for all the volume of food that we're moving in. Uh, Every year, we had to actually purchase a reefer trailer, refrigerated trailer, uh, just for extra storage. Uh, We have to rent several during the year to be able to not have food spoil. And that's a pretty big cost. I don't have enough refrigeration space. Uh, I don't have enough room for my volunteers. I don't have enough office space as we continue to expand. So one of the things that we're doing is we are starting the beginning phases of a capital campaign, which the first thing you do is a feasibility study. Right. Um, And we've partnered with a company, uh, Hopkins Consulting, that's out of Grand Rapids, but they had just done a really nice feasibility study for the food bank in West Michigan out of Grand Rapids. Mm-hmm. And so I'm piggybacking off the back of that and help us with doing really a, a really professional feasibility study. What that will tell us is what potentially we might be able to acquire and bring in in a capital campaign if we go that route. We've got 30,000 square feet here. 
What I really ideally would like to do, and we've got enough land, we, we were able to purchase some additional property that touches to our building. I'd like to expand our local facilities about 20,000 square feet. Mm. Um, that would give us more offices. It would give us all the things that we really need and then some refrigeration in there. And if, if we can't quite get enough money for that, I think 15,000 square feet would be ideal and enough for us to be able to, to take this step and move forward. So we're really hoping the feasibility study comes back with enough success that says, yes, you're probably going to be bringing enough to make that happen, go forward. Um, and if it doesn't do that, we're probably going to just put it on hold. You can't do back-to-back capital campaigns. That's that's not healthy to the community. Right. So if we don't really bring in enough to really meet our needs, I think we're going to wait a couple of years and try to continue to build our reputation in the community until we can get to a position where a capital campaign would bring in enough resources to really to fix the facility in a manner that's useful for the next five or 10 years. I'm lingering on a comment that you made a, a little while ago, the idea that uh, you took that million dollars from the reserve fund and and now would not be the time to try and replenish that. Uh, that sort of infers that that we're going through a, a difficult time, but we expect that that things will improve. At the same time, we're saying, hey, we could use a capital campaign for a bigger facility because we have this need. So there's probably some kind of... Uh, <laughs> a medium in there somewhere, but it ebbs and flows, I think is what you're saying. So you're expecting that things might calm down a little, uh, but you want to be prepared for the next time. I was just laughing. We just got out of a staff meeting and I was laughing with my staff and they're asking, what do we expect this year? And I go, well, every year at the beginning of the year for the last three or four years, we've laid out what we really think is going to happen. And it's turned out fairly differently than that. <laughs> so who knows what's really in front of us? With the exception being that, again, that old seven, seven and a half million pounds of food, that's not going to meet the need anymore. The new reality is 11, 12 million pounds of food. So when this facility was ideal for moving seven, maybe eight million pounds of food, it's really stretched at the seams to do what we're trying to do right now. Um, And I don't really envision demand going down significantly. I hope it does. But what I think we're really seeing is sort of a leveling out. Some people not needing the help anymore, but unfortunately, some others adding on. And so it seems sort of that the last couple of years, really, I mean, outside of 2020, when COVID first hit, that was a yeah. that was an anomaly, right? Right. But I think where we're sitting now is I'm really seeing demand in out of our eight counties to be eh, 11, 12 million pounds of food. And I think that's going to be the new normal. Does something like the Blue Oval plant, when you hear about that kind of a, a change in the region, does that help you look at it differently and say, well, uh, people who need us might not need us as much now with that opportunity. Maybe there's some philanthropy that could happen there. How do you view that? I was going to jokingly say I hadn't thought about that the least bit, Richard, but that really <laughs> wouldn't be accurate. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, I would say the first place that gets my attention is on the philanthropy side. Yeah. Uh, just to be just to be direct, right? Depending on the resources they have and when that gets up and running, that would be a wonderful partner. And I'd love to see if uh, you know supporting a food bank is something that they would be interested in because I would love to have a partner like that. Yeah, if you're bringing in higher paying jobs into the community, I think that's always helpful to the community. From where I sit, I guess the way I would look at it is I don't want to anticipate demand going down because Mm -hmm. if it doesn't, then we'll find ourselves unprepared to be able to meet the need. So I don't really want to do that. I'm always hopeful that that will happen. I think uh, there could be some 
purview there out there that, um, okay, here comes a big employer with good paying jobs. We're going to erase some of our uh, poverty problems. It's probably not that simple. And I think what you just said is you don't anticipate the need to change. It's it's more complicated than that, perhaps, for folks you're helping. Yeah. I mean, I think every time you have a change like that, it, it has ripples in both directions, right? Like yeah. I just shared, but you know, the housing problem could exacerbate some people's need to to go to a food pantry and get food. You know, I mean, I, and, and I'll say this too, I think we've really done a nice job of trying to expand out. We've really worked hard to get to get well, one of the things we've done nicely is I've gotten some really, really good data. I'd love to share it. If anybody's interested, reach out to us, southmichiganfoodbank.org. If you want some of the data that we've got, a lot of it's on our website, but I could even give you more. But we've got a really good grasp of now where where need really lies within our eight communities. We overlap that with where all of our distribution sites are. And we've been targeting and intentionally trying to recruit to open more distribution sites in those areas that are sort of what I think of as food deserts a little bit. Mm -hmm. I don't mean like the traditional, not grocery stores. I just mean people that are food insecure, doesn't have access to our food pantry distribution sites. In eight counties, Richard, we have a little more than 380 distribution partners. So we provide food to a little more than 380 partners that then give away the give away the food. When you look at it geographically, where's the red zone? Is there a, a place where you look in the eight counties and say, oh yeah, right there. Yeah. The, you know, the biggest gap that we've really found that we're trying to to manage um, are rural areas um, that are a little more isolated. The busing system in this area is not really as extensive as I think it could be and maybe should be. Uh, it'd be really helpful for people to be able to move around. But once you get out into the rurals, if you really have transportation challenges um, and you don't have the ability to get to our 380 distribution partners, we need to figure out a way to get it to you. And that's Hence your that, program that's, that yeah, you're working on. Yeah, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. It's not going to be solved overnight. But um, when you get into more urban areas a little bit, we tend to find a lot more partners that are willing to distribute food for us. And again, transportation issues are a little less significant. Uh, it's the rural areas right now that we're really trying to focus on. All right. Well, let's help you by participating in the coldest night of the year, 5 p.m. February 24th. So a couple of weeks. And uh, that's at the Food Bank's location, 5451 Wayne Road in the Fort Custer Industrial Park. You can start to, with registration at 4. Do we just show up at 4 or do we need to reach out to you in advance, Peter? You can just show up at 4, but really the better way to do it is just to start with our website, smfoodbank.org slash events. We've updated our website, so if you haven't been to it recently, please hop on smfoodbank.org slash events would be ideal. Um, if you want to call, you can do that too. The number would be 269-441-4442. And that would get you directly into the line to learn more about the Coldest Night of the Year program and how that operates. And we'll put the link to that page in the show notes for this episode at battlecreekpodcast.com. That got away from you quickly. And uh, we look forward to uh, checking in with you again soon, Peter. Thank you. Thanks, Richard. Appreciate the time. Peter Vogel, South Michigan Food Bank on Community Matters. Mm -hmm.